Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I think we have Brian with us. Brian, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the radio once again. No problem, Frank. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, Brian, so you are, I consider you something of, a, of an expert on the subject of, of fatherhood and parenting. A little earlier, we were talking about this story out of uh, Argentina of a fella that is having a child, a baby, while he's 83. His wife's 35. And it led to a whole discussion about what age is too old for a, a father or a parent in general to have a child. Do you have an opinion on this one? I don't know. Uh, I didn't. Uh, Tony Randall have one at about seventy-eight years old. I guess he wasn't around too long. I think he died a few years later. I, I don't know what science is doing now. I mean, I, I assume people are making their own decisions. Uh, you know, we usually have debates about should seventeen-year-olds or eighteen-year-olds right, be right, parents, right. but now eighty-three. Uh, I guess wisdom. I mean, if the guy's guy's probably only going to live ten more years, so um, it, it depends. I mean, is he one of these guys that? They can move around and do things. I see a lot of 83 years old that are basically uh, chair-bound. Right. He seems pretty spry. But as you said, you know, is he going to be around to see this kid, um, you know, go into high school? And and that's, I think, in some respects, sort of unfair, you know, to a a child. So I'm just curious as to your take on that. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Hey, um, there was primary day in uh, Virginia, and uh, Fox did some great coverage of, uh, of the primaries on Tuesday. You were joined by... By the new governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, on primary day, uh, give me give me your take on the the key takeaways from the uh, the elections in general on Tuesday, including in Virginia. Well, let me just tell you, people of Virginia love Glenn Youngkin. I went to about four events with him. Some of you know, there's scripted events, Frank, and there's unscripted events. Like you walk into a supermarket, you have no idea who's in that supermarket. I mean, he's got he's going to sign a budget, and. at him as a rock star. So this is the this is the uh, the guy from a Carlisle group who does, you know who had helped candidates in the past at you know fifty five years old say, I'm gonna run for governor and he shocked the world by winning there. So he's extremely popular and then you look what happened in a lot of these districts, these swing districts, uh they're they're really pushing for these Republicans and their minorities. There's the one thing they've done is gone out of their way to recruit qualified minority candidates. And it's really shaking up Democrats who wanted to label Republicans the white supremacist party. It just doesn't work. And you're seeing that in places like Virginia and a lot of people in urban environments. I'm looking at the numbers in New York. Yeah. Brian, I'm not sure if you can hear me. We're we're losing you uh, a little bit. Uh, We're having a a little. Okay. Uh, No, I got you now. Uh, but it, speaking of New York, I think that's what a lot of folks were hoping with Harry Wilson's candidacy for governor is that he could sort of emulate that Glenn Youngkin model. But it doesn't look like Wilson's gaining much traction with New York primary voters. But who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I'll be wrong about that. Do you think this Youngkin model in Virginia where he doesn't necessarily run as an avowed Trumpist, but he doesn't run away from Trump either? Uh, do you think that's a model that could work for Republican candidates in different purple states around the country? 
It absolutely has to be. Uh, so I, I would think that the Yunkin plan is now used by Dr. Oz. Mm. Dr. Oz got the nomination because he's with for Trump, but now he's taken a lot of the Trump uh, artwork off his website. Why? Because, you know, uh, people listening to us right now might say, we love Trump. But it's, those are not the people that are going to put Republicans in office. It's going to be the independent. For some reason right now, the way Trump is still currently situated, he alienates them. But he, but the people that love him, love him more than ever, uh, January 6th and all, but that's not going to get you elected. So what you do is you can't get elected if Trump, if being an anti-Trumper, mm. but you can't also get a nomination uh, being purely all Trump, being purely all um, Make America Great Again, Don Jr. and Don Sr. outside the, the red states of Oklahoma, of Alabama, of uh, it used to be Georgia, now I think Florida. So I think you've got to walk that line, and I think President Trump understands that. I think he understands to be successful a lot of times, you've got to run by yourself. You know, you've got to say, yeah, look at what Tim Ryan's doing. Tim Ryan's trying to pretend he's a Republican. He does not want a Democrat to, to even endorse him. <laughs> So, you know, in a way, it's putting the wool over people's eyes, but because Dr. Oz is a uh, a disciple of Donald Trump, there's no question about it. Uh, we're talking with Brian Kilmeade, a New York Times bestselling author, a co-host of Fox and Friends every morning on the Fox News Channel, and a radio talk show host heard nationally, including right here on WABC from 10 a.m. to noon. And uh, he's also on the weekends at uh, 8 p.m. on the Fox News Channel as well. Hey, Brian, we saw some news out of the... Uh, we lost Brian there. Uh, it looks like we're having a, a phone problem. So, uh, you know, if we can get Brian back, uh, that's great. If not, we'll uh, we'll chat with Brian again next week and uh, we'll see what the uh, what the story is there. And it gives me another week to try and find and refine my Ukrainian question. Uh, but Brian does do a, a terrific job on both radio and on uh, on television on a regular basis. By the way, you want to email me, you can do so at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. And uh, I will always enjoy hearing from you and your correspondence. I uh, check each and every email, no matter how critical it might be at times. Uh, by the way, tomorrow, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be joined by the author of this new book about uh, Jimmy Burke, this uh, police chief that went to jail out in Suffolk County. And uh, we're also going to be joined by Julian Assange's brother. So that should be uh, that should be very interesting. We'll try get Brian, I'm sorry about that uh, phone connection there. I hope we got you back. Yeah, I mean, now I'm on a cell. I was on a hard line for like it was 1975. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I was on a line that has never in, in in my world has ever hurt a talk radio show. I, I, uh, I, so I now a, I'm on a cell. I have a feeling it's Verizon servicing of our phone line, not the uh, not the phone itself. Hey, uh, what I was going to ask you about, there was this big deal for bipartisan gun legislation out of the U.S. Senate this week. You know, we've seen big bipartisan reform movements before. We saw it uh, on tax reform, where Bill Bradley partnered with Ronald Reagan and that whole crowd. We've seen it time and again. And I'm wondering, in an era where it seems like Democrats and Republicans can't even agree on what day it is, irrespective of the strengths and the demerits of this particular legislation, do you think what they've hammered out in terms of this bipartisan gun bill could be a model for legislation going forward? 
I, you know, listen, for what I've read of it, I haven't seen all 80 pages, but I have been in contact with Senator Cornyn. And, and what he does, this is, and I've, I've listened to uh, Senator Murphy at length, who's obviously a liberal Democrat from Connecticut. And what this is, is funding for schools, funding for mental health. There's no benefit. An 18-year-old can still get what they want. They're going to take 10 days and look at his or her background. They're going to make sure with the state police. Uh, has this been a problem? You know, is uh, Billy Jones down the block wants to get a gun? Has he been a problem? And the answer in Buffalo, the shooter would have been yes. This guy was brought in for examination. And looking at his school, the answer would have been yes. He has been suicidal. They thought he was a danger to himself and to others. And the, and the same thing in Uvalde. They looked into the guy's background. At 17, everybody knows he's going to be a school shooter. They just thought he was going to shoot up the high school. Mm. So when he goes to buy a gun, his sister says, no, I'm not buying a gun for you. You've got to wait until you're 18. He turns 18 and gets it. They run the background check. Nothing's there. Now for 10 days, they're going to, these gun owners, uh, I believe, have to make the calls to state police to the school the kid goes to and say, is this guy a problem? Now, if I'm a gun shop owner, I'm not upset by that. I don't want blood on my hands. I don't want to sell, sell to some lunatic that becomes the next Columbine killer or the Uvalde assassin. So I'm not against it. Almost every Republican outside Lindsey Graham and maybe nine others and Senator Cornyn seem to be against it. Senator uh, Joni Ernst seems to be with it. Now, what we worry about is the red flag laws. People listening to us, Frank, in Suffolk County have not very few complaints that you might get some after and I might get some today about the red flag law. So I'm, I'm in a, a horrible relationship. I threaten my spouse or my ex-spouse or, and, and you come over and you can't take – you call the cost. Cost goes, my hands are tied. Now they would say, okay, uh, we're, listen, uh, we're going to take your gun until we can get to the bottom of this and we find out you're a threat. That might uh, that uh, on the surface seems fine, but if I dislike you and I dislike guns, if I call the police on Frank Morano, who just because I happen to not like guns, are you going to have your guns taken right. away while we investigate and you've done nothing? So it's all the implementation of the red flag law is we we have to be uh, we have to be assuaged that this is not going to be used to take everybody's gun. So uh, totally unrelated, uh, but uh, uh, on a very sad note, uh, we lost a uh, legendary football player and uh, TV personality, Tony Siragusa. Uh, People that are NFL fans may remember him from his time with the Colts or the Ravens. People that are fans of uh, shows like The Sopranos may uh, remember him from his recurring role as sort of a heavy on that show. Uh, People that just like good television might remember his work as as an analyst. You got to meet and uh, and speak with Tony Siragusa several times. Uh, Passed away at the age of only uh, 55. Uh, Give me your take on uh, Tony Siragusa as a person, as an athlete, and sort of a personality. Greatest. Uh, I talked to him last week, and you know he had left the restaurant business. I was going to have him on to talk about the restaurant business two weeks ago, and then he called me back last week, and he said, "No, Brian, I gave it up. I sold them all." And I'm, I mean, you know, he's doing private jets, moved down to Florida with his family, quality of life. He's got three kids, fifty-five years old. Uh, unbelievable personality as a player. I have this one anecdote, and I've covered the 20, 25 Super Bowls. So it's a, in 2000, I'm covering the Giants against the Ravens. It was the year right before the 9-11 attack, so, so before when everything changed, uh, when you really had some access to go in and out. Security wasn't high. And at the end of the game, 
uh, they just put the lines up and they said, press is going to meet in the press room. And Tony Siragusa waved our crew through because we had on him on during the week. He, he loved Fox. And he said, no, no, wave these guys through. So he gave me access to the entire Ravens team. Wow. And we stayed in touch since. And then he became this Fox personality. And then he went on, was on The Sopranos for a while. And then he went into full board business. And he's just a big, he was a big conservative and just a, a red, white, and blue guy. And I guess he told Howard Stern a few years ago that, he's, that he was worried that his dad died in his 40s from a heart attack. And he was over 300 pounds. Uh, mostly muscle, and uh, maybe that was it. He died in his sleep, but man, there was no indication this guy was hurting mm. at all. Mm. Uh, uh, no, it's sad. And uh, again, I, I don't think I ever got to meet him, but he seems like a great guy, and I certainly enjoyed him a great deal as a, as an athlete and as a personality. And uh, you know, especially with uh, with kids like that, it's uh, sorry to New sorry Jersey to see that. Guy. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, somebody that uh, really embodied the best spirits of uh, what it means to be a Jersey guy as well. Um, uh, in terms of Washington, let me get your take on what's happening there. Uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to what's happening on the inflation front. In fact, uh, yesterday, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, Powell, was asked by Senator Bill Haggerty if President Biden is right and uh, that the reason for all this inflation is Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. This is what Jerome Powell said. In January of 2021, inflation was at 1.4 percent. By December of 2021, it had risen to 7 percent, a five-fold increase. Now, since the war in Ukraine began in late February, the rate of inflation has risen incrementally, another 1.6 percent, to a current level of 8.6 percent. So, again, uh, from 7 percent to 8.6 percent. Given how inflation has escalated over the past 18 months, would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. The Biden administration seems to be intent on deflecting blame and as recently as just this past Sunday, spread the misinformation that Putin's invasion of Ukraine is the, quote, biggest single driver of inflation. I'm glad you agree with me that that is not the truth. Uh, Jerome Powell just reappointed by President Biden. Were you surprised that he was so plain spoken in terms of uh, basically calling shenanigans on the president's analysis of the inflation situation? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's hearing it today and he's going to amend it in some way. But Senator Haggerty was 100 percent right. It was a good, uh, solid question, but the numbers don't lie. I mean, you're a numbers guy. If you're a senator, if you're a pal, you spend your life with numbers. You don't spend your life with nuance. And he, he can't lie. I mean, we're all seeing the numbers. Do you know the president yesterday said we're on a war footing? Excuse me. We know what it's like to be on a war footing over the last 20 years. This is not a war footing. We don't have one soldier over there. We're writing checks and sending weapons at a very slow pace. Uh, we're better than the rest of the world, but not quick enough for the, for the Ukrainians. And don't say that Vladimir Putin is doing this. Do you realize we are boosting Putin's prestige? Do you realize we are an easier sell to his his whole his constituents? They say, hey, hey, Russia, suck it up. We are making the we're making the Americans pay. And guess who's going to pay the price? Ukraine. Now they're going to rally in order to hurt the West and hurt us. All because of Joe Biden's concerned that 33 percent approval rating is going to destroy his party, which he is right about. But again, he's sacrificing national security for his own political interests.
And by the way, the ruble now at a seven-year high. It is uh, certainly seeing not looking like the sanction strategy that President Biden's been pursuing is uh, is exactly hurting the the Russian ruble. Uh, this is the week, Brian, that uh, looks like we're going to get this abortion decision uh, that uh, was leaked out a couple of months ago. How much of a hurdle do you think this is going to be for Republicans running in blue states, states like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, for instance? Is this a a problem electorally for the Republicans or is that already baked in? Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's already baked in. I don't see it being uh, that big of a problem. I think the the most interesting thing that I think that happened with the Republicans – I, I think they're starting just to make ga- uh, gains in a lot of places that are traditionally where there are no gains. I mean, you see uh, their state controller over in California is a Republican. Lonnie Chen was on with me yesterday. He's actually winning his race in New York. Uh, Zeldin's got – seems to have a, a legitimate shot. He got an endorsement from the vice president yesterday. So I think that there's uh, – Republicans have a lot going in their direction. I think they're smart to deal with. I I think this legislation on the surface and its outline on guns even seems positive. What Mm. it does do two things. It takes guns off, I believe, for November. If you do what you do now, uh, the Republicans, the Democrats can't say Republicans once again are letting uh, uh, preschoolers and, um, you know, uh, elementary school kids uh, be assassinated in school. They don't care about your kids. They basically took that off the table because you have all these bipartisan hearings. And they're not putting an age limit. They're not banning uh, AR-15s. They're not putting an age limit on on 18. They're they're really not doing much on your on your Second Amendment rights. So I think that I think that more and more things are pointing to Republicans because Democrats have had a chance to run the run the state and uh, run the country, and they've been an epic fail. Uh, what what can we look forward to on Fox and Friends this morning? Uh, Fox and Friends. My guest list will be Tulsi Gabbard. Give us an idea. The Democrats. Oh, my Bill favorite. She, she, yeah. yeah, like Bill Maher, she, she is uh, a liberal and just does not recognize her party. Uh, Kennedy will be joining us. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, the Robertsons, Duck Dynasty, Jep and uh, Jace Robertson will be on with us. They're hunting for historic gold. Bobby Barack on the commentary with the Colbert Report. I think there's a lot more to this. Uh, on the, what they did in their insurrection, refusing to leave the Capitol, and one of their men uh, getting arrested. What happened? A late night comedy. Bobby Brock from Outkick uh, will be joining us, uh, so that'll be happening. And of course, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with the investigation, the lack of courage from law enforcement, the letting kids get killed and bleed to death while they didn't even try the door that was open and tried to vilify a teacher, tried to say that they uh, confronted the gunman with shots when the video shows. If they had gone after the gunman, they could have shot him before he even entered the building. So we'll definitely be uh, discussing that. And also, Donald Trump, is he vulnerable to other Republicans? You had the Governor Yunkin, who I spent a day with on Tuesday, and you got Ron DeSantis, mm. who has $100 million from donors, almost unsolicited. Is, uh, are, the, are the Republicans looking to move on for President Trump? So we'll look at those things. Wow. Uh, that sounds like quite a show. How about on the radio front on WABC from 10 to noon? That was it. Uh, well, that was so, there we go. We got, I, I meant to say on uh, on the 8 p.m. show, Fox News Saturday night. Uh, you you oh. know, what? the problem with you doing three shows that I have to keep track of <laughs> is I have to keep track of three shows. Right. Uh, you know, Frank, I, I blame you. I blame <laughs> it's not my problem. Uh, but no, I mean, right now, I will I will say that we are 
going to have a, a, that day in the life I'd had with Governor Youngkin. Was he going to run for president? What's he going to do? What does it mean for the party? What does it mean for Virginia, this midterms? Uh, what's his life like as he leaves? He's worth $450 million. Uh, he left that company to donate his salary and basically volunteer uh, as governor of Virginia. So he's going to be joining us. Uh, we're also going to be joined by Harris Faulkner. And um, we're probably going to be diving into this oil and gas situation mm. and finding what the reality is. Uh, so with that, that show will really take shape today. Uh, and then we'll be set to go 8 o'clock on Saturday, repeated at 11. Of course, for WABC listeners, it's all it's all Eastern time. All right, Brian Kilmeade, uh, we'll be watching you on Fox News, and we'll hear you at 10 a.m. right after Bernie and Sid. Thank you. Congratulations on all your success, Frank. Thanks so much. Likewise. Appreciate it. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you could give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. We'll also do 15 seconds of fame in just a minute, 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 